the person who really inspired me. Let me start there. His name is Willie James Jennings. I think I mentioned him in at least two or three of my last five sermons for years. He's been really shaping the way that I understand my faith and, and the work of God in the world. He's a professor at Yale University. He teaches systematic theology and Af Africana studies. So I even borrowed the title for the sermon called Creating Home. So in the beginning, God created home. In the beginning, God created land and skies and water and trees and squirrels and skunks and ants and bees and even humans so that we could all share together in the work of creation, in the work of being creatures, which was to create home. So I'll share in what God created, which was home. A place of safety, a place of love, a place of belonging, a place where we could provide for one another, where we could take care of one another, where we could get to know one another over time, over meals, where we would till the land and plant tomatoes and have little squirrels come and get them. That's something Eric and I have just learned in our first week in our new home. <laughs> and for it to be a place of life. Willie Jennings had this phrase that he says, to be a creature is fundamentally to be a homemaker. To be a creature is to be a homemaker. Wherever we find ourselves, creatures tend to always find a way to create home. I think some of this already starts to show a little bit. I'm sorry for those of you who weren't on the listserv. It was an idea I had midweek. <laughs> was to invite folks to, to bring objects that reminded them of home, that made them feel connected to home. So I don't know all the stories behind this, all the memories, all the relationships that these things symbolize, but somehow we've made home or people have made home for us or we have shared in home with others. So to be a creature is to make home. And yet I kind of recognize that to speak of home is, as many of you may be thinking already, not quite as ideal and beautiful as this passage suggests. Home is most often a place of profound distortion, of profound violence, of profound trauma. Home can be a place where we experience and sense some of the deepest darkness that stays with us for a lifetime. Very often stays with us through many generations. I don't know what else to call this, but the Bible gives a word for this type of thing, and I think it's sin a word that often, you know, gets cheapened because we toss it around lightly. But if anything, I think that all this pain that gets tossed around and passed around from generation to generation, that, that's got to be sin. There's also another sense in which home is distorted, and it's the sense of belonging, that sense of being able to belong that becomes very restricted and a very enclosed sense of belonging, where you belong to just a certain kind of people, and it's determined by a very kind of arbitrary markers that become, that we assume is just fully normal. You know, things that we, we often talk about in this church, like race or like gender or like nationality. You know, you have a citizenship or not? Do you, you know, did you go to a certain school or not? Did you, you know, does your skin look a certain color or not? Do you have certain body parts or not? And so we create home in this weird way where we are creating home but it's a home just for a few people, just for my people. And so in a sense, I can't, I can't help but think that that is a violent kind of home. And yet at the same time, there's something within that striving that still isn't fully separated from God 
and how God made us. And so that's a paradox, right? Like it's hard to wrap our mind around that. The fact that to long for like a white nation is somehow still a longing for home. And so there's this creaturely like divine desire there, but it's so twisted and so distorted that it's a desire for something that has become demonic. And so, you know, enter Jesus. I don't know what else to say. We're Christians here, right? <laughs> but Jesus, you know, let me, let me give a little bit of background to Jesus because Jesus doesn't just come out of nowhere. Jesus had a home. Jesus had a people. Jesus did come from somewhere. And even though, you know, we, we say, oh, Jesus, you know, second person of the Trinity becomes flesh, becomes a human, but Jesus was also someone who had a home. And though that home was a group of Palestinian Jews in occupied Palestine, um, a land occupied to this day through violent homemaking. And the story of Jesus, you know, in relation to home goes something like this. And I'll do a 20 second summary on the Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, God creates, God gives Adam and Eve this home and Adam and Eve's descendants. Adam and Eve, you know, fall, take from the tree of good and evil. They get expelled from the garden. Home is lost. They're wandering. Cain and Abel, their son and their daughter, murder each other. Family continues, starts to become this place of profound violence, of jealousy, of, of betrayal. Eventually, Israel becomes enslaved, Israel being the descendant of that same family. They end up being liberated by Moses, and God comes to them in a mountain and makes a home in a mountain. God comes to them in a tent and makes a home in a tent. Then the kings of Israel start wanting something more established. They create a temple. God says, okay, like I'm going to be with you. And around this temple is created this entire way of life. People are planting their gardens. People are making, building literal physical structures where they ascribe meaning, where they give home. We saw some images today on the, on the slides of, you know, things that, that different folks think that it might've looked like, you know, back 2000 years ago and that some parts of the world look like today. There's a city that we read still in Revelation, which is a, a book that's talking about, you know, the promises of God, the future of God, and yet it has this word New Jerusalem, a city still very, very tense today with a lot of weighty matters and a lot of violence and a lot of struggle happening there. But it was a city, a home, like Pasadena, like LA, you know, like, like the many places that all of us come from. And so God had constantly been with God's people through a tent, through a temple, through a city, as people built their life together. God gave them a law to build a life together to be able to have kind of a sense of like, you know, if you do this, it might break your home. It might really hurt you. And so Jesus enters. And this incarnation, as theologians call it, the taking on of flesh by God to become a human amongst us is this fulfillment of God's homemaking through tent, through temple, and through city. Because now Jesus is the presence of God in the flesh, in the body, actually walking and breathing and sweating and talking and just hanging out and having his own little objects, I'm sure, that Mary and Joseph and his community used to hang out with him with. And so Willie Jennings has this, another phrase that really stuck with me when he was speaking about the incarnation and this word made flesh, this word that made his dwelling among us. 
And it's, and, and, and I'll say as a question to all of you, because he put it as a question, just kind of a throwaway phrase in this lecture. He paused and he said, and he kind of leaned forward and he said, have you, and, and I'm asking you, have you ever been around someone that you just feel at home when you're with them? You know, someone who you don't really have the words to explain it. You don't really think it in the moment, but when you're with them, you're just like, I just feel at home. It just feels right. I just feel like I belong. I feel at peace. I feel a joy. I just feel at home. The word made flesh. This is the word made flesh. This is the word made flesh, multiplied, gathered, shared, the way Jesus gathered and shared the loaves and the fishes. Into thousands across generations, this is the word made flesh, unfolding from generation to generation, from land to land, from place to place, being able to make home and share home with each other so that we can sit around in a room like this and I just feel at home. And yet Jesus entered also a home where much like PMC and every other home, I'm sure we all have our stories of home, can also create a lot of pain. And so this isn't some ideal dream that it's like, okay, now we got Jesus and now everything's good, right? I don't think I need to go too much into how much work it takes to make home. I think it's something that at least I, as a man, given how, you know, the societies that I've grown up in have socialized me, have made me think in this total lie that, you know, home is just easy because there were always women who did the heavy lifting of all the labor of the homemaking, all the little ordinary details of the day by day that make for a life that make for healing, that make for joy, that make for peace. And so in a sense, God stands closer to women in this sense. Not that God isn't with men, not that God doesn't love men, but there's this sense in which if to be a creature is to fundamentally be a homemaker. And in our sin, we have so distorted the meaning of homemaking that it has been violently and brutally imposed upon women for thousands of years, then in a sense, women stand closer to God and women have a closer access to God. Not that there can't be transformation for men as well, but there is something about this where, where the divine is moving in between us and transforming us to bring us together in a table where there is no male or female, nor Jew or Gentile, nor slave or free, but all are one in Christ Jesus. So Jesus gathers, Jesus multiplies this sense and this feeling of home and then we have the story of Pentecost where Jesus has left and the Holy Spirit falls. And what's the first story? I've, I've heard Tim preach a couple of times about this and it sticks with me every time. This breaking of bread is this story that comes right after the falling of the Holy Spirit. This breaking of bread, this gathering in homes, this sharing of prayer, this sharing of life. And, and that is the beginning of, of life of the church without Jesus physically present, and yet this word made flesh unfolding home among us. And so God's home fully opens up to us, fully draws us in, and is given away like Jesus' body. Because how we make home in our sin is often a place that is very enclosed. You know, I, I don't know how many of us grew up or 
might still struggle to aspire for homes that are like fortresses, homes that are for us and my family, for me and my people, homes where we accumulate fin finances and resources and skills to be able to pass to my children because we're anxiously trying to pass something on for my people. And there's just no way that it could actually be enough for everyone, for us to share. That's how our entire world is structured. That's how our retirement accounts are structured. That's how our schools are structured. That's, that's how private property is structured. That's how, you know, home ownership, the word home, homemaking is structured to be for me. It's like a fortress life. I just wrote how we make home in our sin. But let's look at how God makes home. When Jesus, who is God, making home among us, lets himself be touched by us and touches us in return with healing, like a leper man outside of a city gate who isn't allowed in, like a homeless man who isn't allowed in to use a restroom, who isn't allowed into a restaurant to get some free food because, because my profits matter more. And yet Jesus steps outside and touches the leper man and the leper man is healed. When Jesus opens home like a table spread for all people, including the Pharisees who thought that he was a piece of garbage and that he was ruining their home. And Jesus says, no, let's sit down. Let's eat together. Let's learn how to build home together. It's a table and a home so open and, and this is where it gets me. This is where I'm like, this is where the Holy Spirit, like I have to have faith to believe in a divine spirit because this, this just doesn't come out of me. But it's a home so open that it runs the risk of betrayal entering it. Like when you share a table and one of your 12 closest people in your life betrays you and hands you over to be killed, hands you over to be fired, hands you over to be abandoned, hands you over to just get ahead of you. Maybe not even that conscious, just hurts you. And I don't know what to do with that, to be honest, but it is literally at the center of our life because every time we share in communion, we say on the night he was betrayed. I don't know what to do with that kind of home, to be honest. It's a home open. It's a home so open that Jesus returns to the betrayers, to the deserters like Peter and others who ran away when it was time to shine, when it was time to step up and have their friends back, to have their leaders back. And they ran away. Have you ever thought how they never like thought even about Judas? They never looked for him. There's no mention of like what, like they were just like, crap, I got to I got to hide. And really soon after the resurrection, you have this image of Jesus, the story of Jesus in multiple of the Gospels coming into a room where they're all gathered in fear and saying, peace be with you. It says that Jesus, and I, I think it's the Gospel of John that says that Jesus breathes peace onto them. Without a breath of the Spirit, I don't know that any of us can actually even begin to conceptualize, let alone live such a life. It's a home so open that even betrayers, doubters, and deserters have a home. So God's home is with us because who are we if not betrayers and doubters and deserters? And this isn't 
a guilt trip. I hope it doesn't feel that way. It's just the reality of human nature. Life is tough sometimes. And yet we have a home. And so we don't have bread and wine today, but we have our home here. We are already touched by this homemaking of God. This is the homemaking of God. This is the communion table. Because we have homes that carry with us, that go with us from place to place, from time to time, and that stay with us. Just look at the table. Just think of what you would have brought if you would have come. Just think about what lives in you, what memories of home that bring peace and joy and belonging. When have you felt at home? And so this is good news, I think, that we have a home. To me, this is gospel, that we have a home and that God makes a home for us, the doubters, the deserters, the betrayers. And it's also good news that we're invited to share in this work of homemaking. Because remember, to be a creature is to be a homemaker. And so as a little way to be able to, to, to share with each other, I want to invite us to, as the talkback, to just turning your chairs, you know, maintain the distance as much as possible and turning your chairs for the next five to eight minutes and share if you brought an object, share if you were comfortable, why you brought that object. Share why it makes you feel like home or at home. And if you didn't, share maybe what's a person in your life. Maybe you don't live by them anymore. Maybe you haven't seen them in 10 years, but you know when you think of them, you just feel at home. You just know you were at home with them. So you can start moving around. We'll maybe pass the mic around and if Two or three people want to share with everyone, and then I'll say a prayer to close.